This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Why don't we ask God to open the word to us today? Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for your guidance and your goodness. And I ask you today that you will speak to us, Father, for you are faithful and you are just. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, why don't you open your, your Bibles to your favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. If you don't know what I mean by that, you should try reading it sometimes. Amen. Leviticus. And we're going to go to Leviticus. And before we do that, though, we started a series here last week on Luke uh, chapter 10. And there's this conversation going on between a teacher of the law and Jesus. And it comes down to this. And Jesus asks him a question in return. And, and the man's answer is really a good answer. Uh, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Scripture said there. And they gave it to me. And they played with me. And then they took it away from me. <laughs> and uh, and, the, and he said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus hears what he says, and he says, you've answered correctly. And then he says something powerful. He says, now, help me with that. He says, go and do. And so we're in this study about knowing the truth, but not doing it, not living it, not walking in it, not being who God's called us to be, because a lot of us have been in church a lot. And we know exactly what we're supposed to do, but it's different in knowing and now going and doing. And so our, our statement that we're studying here is our very own core principles at War Hill Hill. Real love now. That you, we believe in a real God who can really change your life. And the way you're going to have to do that is get real with God. And the way that we're going to show what God has done in our life is by how we love others. And when does that start? now and so what we're talking about today and i'm just going to say no how many of you just be honest with how many of you like money some of you are like is that okay in church it's okay to like money it's not okay to lie about liking money come on now one more time how many of you like money all right almost every hand in this place how many of you would like to have more money how many of you like talking about money yeah how many like when the preacher preaches about money all right, I got a few loyal patrons here. Come on. All right. I want to talk to you about one of the best ways for you to judge whether or not your faith has went from speculation to reality in your life. And that's whether or not you're generous. If you're not a generous person, then the principles of the Word of God are not flowing through you because if you'll think about that verse, it says that we have to give God our all. And when we give God our all, then we turn around and we give our all to our neighbor as ourself. And that's kind of tough. It's really not my favorite sermon to preach. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to preaching on deliverance tonight. But that doesn't change my job. 
for which I shall be judged in heaven if I told you the truth. And so we need to talk about the reality that, it, that you want to bring your faith into reality. One of the first places it's going to stop, well, the first place it should stop after you give your heart to Jesus Christ is you need to be baptized. People say, I want to serve God. I don't know why I can't move forward. I say, were you baptized yet? Well, no. Well, the first thing he commanded you to do was go and to be baptized. So you need to be, I'm afraid I'm going to be doing that on the last weekend in May. And if you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized. But listen to me carefully. One of the next places it stops is where your treasure is. Because that's where your heart will be. And so we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 23. And we're going to talk about these laws out of the Word of God, and, and when we talk about uh, laws, and, when, and how do we bring them into modern-day perspective? Well, when we say the word field, I want you to think budget. And when we say crop, think paycheck, okay? So the field is that thing you have to work within financially, and then the crop is that, that weekly or monthly or bi whatever uh, paycheck that comes into your life. And Leviticus 23 gives us some agricultural laws that really, really still exist for us. And let me explain that to you here by reading it to you. Leviticus 23 and 9 says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf or a portion of the first grain you harvest. The first grain of your harvest, okay? What word was that? First. He was so specific about it that he said this to them. He said, you must not eat of any of the bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. And what I want you to get from this is this is a lasting ordinance. Okay, this is something God established so that we can kind of judge and see where we are in so many ways, whether or not we're willing to be generous with God and with others, whether or not our faith has become a reality in our lives. And so what we're talking about here is the law of tithing and the law of gleaning. And what we're learning here is that what God is showing us is that God's speaking to us about a, an ability to walk into a better place. And here's what, here, I want you to understand this. Tithing didn't start in Leviticus. It started when Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. Then they continued to tithe, and it was established as a commandment in Leviticus. And then Malachi talks about it in the last book of the Old Testament. And then there's this real central figure over in the New Testament who talks about tithing. And people say to me, well, tithing's not a New Testament pr principle. I say, well, obviously, you've never read Luke 11, 42. Because there's this guy named, uh, what's it? Jesus. And Jesus said, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? Because you are careful to tithe even on the tiniest income from your herb gardens. He says, look, you're, you're, you're handling this all with the law, but you ignore justice and the love of God. He says, you should tithe. That's Jesus saying that. You should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Okay? So what he says is this. He says, look, there's, a, there's an ultimate goal here of love and justice, and you're never going to be able to love people when you have a stingy heart. 
And you're never going to have true justice in your life until you learn to do what is right for others. And you begin to obey God and you begin to open up the things that you want to hoard into your life to God. And as you begin to open up those things to God, it's going to begin to bring about a change in your life because tithing really is the baseline of obedience. I asked somebody this morning, I said, how long have you attended church here? They said, two, two and a half years. I said, have you ever heard me preach on money? They said, no. I said, well, I'm breaking my streak today. But the reality is we cannot grow if we don't give God all of ourselves. And this principle of tithing, it becomes something, this baseline. As it becomes that baseline of obedience for us, we realize that, that what God is saying to us is establishing something that helps us see. Because when you are generous to something, you are generous to things you believe in. Malachi addresses it very plainly in chapter 3. You knew that if, you were, if you've been in the Word long, you know I was going to go to this chapter. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse in your whole nation because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Into where? The storehouse. The tithe comes into your local church that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now here's where you really got to come down to, to understand that the tithe is a reminder that everything comes from God. It's when we're honoring God and we're saying, God, we know that we've been blessed. Somebody said, but I worked hard for that. Yeah, but you used God's air to breathe while you worked hard for that. But I planted the crop myself. You used God's seeds and God's dirt for that to work. But God is saying to me, it's not about uh, being nitpicky about this. It's about an honor thing. It's about being generous because it's going to begin to open up your heart. And as you begin to open up your heart, what it's really saying, I want you to understand, I believe that, that tithing is trusting. Because what it's really saying is this, I believe that God can do more with the 90 than I can do with 100. That when I bring a tithe, and that's what a tithe is. A tithe is not 20%. A tithe is not 15%. A tithe is not 11%. A tithe is 10%. Can you give me a good amen? And I promise I won't preach on money next week. But I'm preaching on it this week. Listen to me. God's here with us. God's speaking to us. And I want you to know you cannot outgive God. Can I say that again? You cannot outgive God. As a matter of fact, I would, I'd just like to challenge you to try. Why don't you have a tithing experiment in your life? I read about a spiritual experiment. It happened in 1945. Matter of fact, let me see if I can find it in my notes because I'm so far off my sermon, I don't even know where I am. This tithing experiment began July, uh, excuse me, in, in the 1940s. Time magazine reported about it because it was such an amazing experiment on July 30th, 1945. After reading Malachi 3.10 and it changing the life of Perry Hayden, who was the president of Hayden Flour Mills, he decided that he had been encouraged to be generous to missions, but he didn't know about tithing. And as he learned about honoring God with his tithe, he found, some of you are going, Pastor Don, why are you preaching about this? Because so many of us have speculated about honoring God and we haven't honored God. 
And we need to make it now a reality in who we are. So here's what Perry decided to do. He decided to honor God with his tithe, and suddenly his business started to turn around. And some people said, well, it's not really your business uh, turning around because of tithe. It's just changing economy and changing things. And so he said, I'm going to do an experiment. So on September 26, 1940, he planted, listen to me carefully, he planted 360 kernels of wheat. Not a ton, but 360 little kernels of wheat on a plot of ground that was four uh, feet by eight feet. And this is what he said. He said, God, I'm going to try you and see if what you have promised is true. What's the word say? Try me now in this, says the Lord. He said, I'm going to try you and I'm going to see in this experiment if what you promised is true. I'm going to tithe for six years. We will rest on the seventh year, but I'm going to tithe for six years on what you can do with this 360 kernels of wheat. So in the smallest wheat field in the world, it began to grow. As it grew after that year, there was a great harvest out of that little, small, little, small area. And that 360 kernels turned into 45 cubic inches of kernels. Not a lot, but much more than was expected. So what did he do? He tithed off of it. And in 1942, he replanted what was left over out of the tithe. And there was a 55-fold yield. So 70 pounds of wheat kernels were produced. He tithed off of that wheat and replanted the remaining 63 pounds on a farm owned by his close friend, a man by the name of Henry Ford, who gave us the best trucks in the world. Come on now, amen. In, thank you, Jesus. In 19, I just had to throw that in there. In 1943, one acre of land yielded 16 bushels. From that one bushel, Henry the Ford, Henry Ford provided a reaper and a thresher, and then he provided his whole farm because the next year, in 1944, after they had tithed, they had to plant 14 acres, and then 380 bushels were reaped. A tithe of that crop was given and then replanted, and it took 230 acres and a fleet of 40 combines to just bring in the harvest. In 1945, it yielded 5,555 bushels. At the time after the tithing of that, they planted 5,000 bushels of wheat, and they had to be turned over to the number of 276 different farmers with a total of 2,666 acres that had to be planted. And the only way they could be included in the experiment was they had to agree to tithe off of, listen to, to tithe off of the increase that came to their farm. Now, what we realized that by the end of that experiment, the 360 kernels that were planted only those few years before ended up being 72,500 bushels of wheat, which reached approximately one, over $1 billion worth of money in our economy today, if it were equivalent with where we are today. Why? Because a man stood up and said, I will test the Lord and see if he can't prove himself. And he proved himself so mightily, listen to me, he proved himself so mightily mightily that God himself moved and the governor of the state declared August 1st a day of holy consecration because God had brought such an increase into their economy because one person trusted God. 
Christine and I decided to do an experiment in our own life. And in 1991, when we got married, we made a decision we were going to honor God no matter what. And we've tithed every time for 27 years. And can I tell you, you cannot outgive God. Amen. Now, I didn't tell that. I didn't tell this story in any other service, but I'm going to preach it in this one. I remember one day I walked into our house. We were church planters here. We were trying to figure out how to make all the ends meet, but we've been honoring God. And I tell you, God can go further with a 90 than you can go with a 100. And I remember walking to the, to the uh, cabinets. And when I opened the cabinets and I looked inside the cabinets, I was hungry. And the only thing in there was like a tasty cake. Come on now. Amen. And I said, I don't need a tasty cake. I need something nourishing. I want something that will, will build me up. And, and I said, God, your word says, if I honor you, that you will pour out of the windows of heaven blessings that I cannot contain. And I'm telling you, as much as I'm standing here, somebody pulled into my yard, and I didn't have it about this much grass at my house. And I liked that little bit of grass. They drove their nasty little truck, come on now, up on my grass backed it right up to my door and opened the back of the door and it knocked on my front door and I went and said, hey, what's going on? They said, Pastor, we just felt like you needed some groceries. And they went to the truck and they filled every cabinet that I had to the place I had to call somebody else and say, hey, you better get over here because God has provided and it truly is more than we can hold. Amen. You try an experiment. If God doesn't bless you, then I want, I, you know what? It's a money back guarantee. Come on now. Because if God doesn't bless you, then he's not God. I didn't know I'd get excited about preaching about tithing. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will he be poured into your lap for. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And that's in all areas. That's talking about forgiveness all the way to giving. Because if you stand on God's word, God will stand by his word. Amen. Let me talk as we close about one, the, the, the next part of this. It's not just the first percent that God wants. And that's just a tithe. That's 10%. But it's the last. And it's, that's not to be brought to church. I want you to get this. This is not about bringing it to church. The tithe comes to church. See, Christine and I believe in a lot of causes, but our tithe has to come to the storehouse, and then we have to give above to those causes. Amen. Leviticus 23 speaks about these type causes. He said, after you've harvested the first 10%, you've brought to church, then you go harvest through your fields. But he said, when you reap the harvest of your, of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you, for I am the Lord your God. Here's what God's saying, and this really ties all the way into this verse that says, love God with all that you have, and that means you're going to honor him with what he's commanded in the tithe. That's just part of it. But then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you're going to have to get generous with other people. You're going to have to Give above and beyond because he said, look, when you harvest the crop, leave enough along the way. Don't go back for some you missed. He said, just keep walking because there's going to be somebody hungry who needs that. And this, is not, this is not part of bringing it to God's house. This is beyond. There's going to be someone hungry who needs it. And in our lives, the problem is this. 
we don't live by the first principle always and and we get in trouble because there's not enough because we haven't honored God or we live by the first principle but then we get into the same trouble as the people who don't because watch this we don't leave anything left over what I mean by that is we learn to live on credit living on credit doesn't leave anything for you to be good to others with because when you live on credit you, you what you're really doing is taking everything you have and then you're gleaning out of somebody else's field and then you got to pay them back and then you went pastor you're meddling now come on but it's truth you can't live in such a way that you can't be what would have happened if the good samaritan said i would help you but i'm broke we wouldn't have this illustration but because he had lived within his means. Pastor, how can I do that? Things are so tough. You don't need every subscription you have. You will not die without every pay channel. That was an awfully weak amen. Can I tell you what happened? I said in the first service, I said, you don't need the newest and latest phone. And the moment I said it, there was a little woman and her husband sitting right there and she went, amen. You don't need the newest and best of everything. If you have to sell yourself to get it. You see, you'll never know what it means to love your neighbor as yourself if it doesn't cost you something. Can I get an amen? Everybody, why don't you stand with me? That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.